Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Photos time with Ben Trout. As I speak, it's Friday, May 20th, 2022. Uh, here's a headline in the New York Times, uh, which uh, we're probably not even going to discuss this issue. We've discussed it in the past and I've been discussing it all week and we'll be going forward. Uh, what I consider the utter madness of MAGA when it comes to abortion and reproductive rights a headline uh, in uh, the New York Times, Oklahoma passes a measure to ban abortion at fertilization. Fertilization. Come on, Oklahoma. You cannot in a million years really believe that that fertilized egg is a human being. You've lost your mind and you're taking the country down with you. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. We're probably not even going to talk about that because there's a whole list of other things uh, that I want to talk to uh, my distinguished guest about, including introducing the first book club uh, name for this distinguished guest. Yes, we're going to have a book club for this distinguished guest, which is going to rival Oprah's before all is said and done. (laughs) So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a member of the editorial board and a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. An excellent columnist. And she wrote a really provocative column, which we'll get to that uh, in, at, maybe at the end of the show when I ask you to promote some of the works you've been doing. And you wrote a very provocative editorial, which you're allowing me and I appreciate it to uh, let the cat out of the bag. You know, uh, usually, <laughs> usually, uh, we well, not take usually out. Uh, sometimes editorials are anonymous. Y- y- you know, it's the voice of the board. So we don't know who was the actual scribbler uh, who put it together. But I, <laughs> I've become very good uh, at discerning who wrote what, particularly I could tell Romana. But Romana, you kind of fooled me on this one. There were no like Romana touches uh, on this particular editorial, which I heaped you with praises, not realizing it was you. Uh, and it turned out it was you. Why don't we talk about with start with that? Uh, there's a whole list of things I want to talk about, including the uh, Ramana Hussein book club. Uh, all right. So the editorial had to do with Mayor Lori Lightfoot's um, implementation 
which you actually didn't have the authority to do, of a curfew uh, for minors uh, around in Millennium Park unless they were accompanied by, and I believe the word they use was a responsible adult. Um, <laughs> that's a judgment call in and of itself right there. Uh, your editorial was so logical and just so well thought out, and it just really crystallized the view, in my humble opinion. So first of all, congratulations uh, for writing a great editorial. But let's just uh, take it apart a little bit uh, and talk about your view on this issue. Sure. Um, first of all, I, I'm pretty sure I can talk about the editorials I wrote because that's what my boss told me. So I think I'm good there. But anyway, um, yes, I did write the editorial on the ban at Millennial Park um, for minors um, starting at Thursday. For the go, It goes through Thursday through Sunday. So after six o'clock, the city is saying that no minor, unless they're accompanied by a responsible adult, can be at Millennium Park. And then there was also a second part to this. Um, there is a citywide curfew for um, minors. And that usually was, I mean, that was at 11 o'clock. And, you know, a lot of people can argue that it was rarely, rarely enforced. So Lori Lightfoot said that she was going to push the enforcement time or the curfew time to 10 o'clock um, on, I think it was like, I think seven days a week. Um, so those are the two pronged approach that Lori Lightfoot took after we had the spate of violence um, in downtown. And last weekend, very sadly, a 16 year old boy was shot while he was standing at, at the bean. He got into an altercation with the alleged shooter who is also a minor at 17. And then there was another boy that was in the area that I got arrested for um, a quote unquote ghost gun at that spot. And then maybe about an hour later, a couple blocks down, there was another shooting where two people were injured. So, you know, this is obviously something that's very disturbing. I mean, shooting downtown is just as bad as any shooting. I think we would argue in any part of the city but I think a lot of people notice when it's downtown because it's where, you know, all the tourists are coming. So the city officials probably feel like if they don't take care of, you know, this problem, nobody's going to come to the city. And one thing I have to add is uh, a day after uh, Lori Lightfoot announced that, you know, the curfew by Millennial Park, you know, we have Lollapalooza and all these other events that happen in the city where there's a lot of kids coming not exactly from the city, but from other parts of the area in Illinois. And then they put out um, a kind of a caveat saying that, well, if you have a ticket to a certain event, then you can be fine. So that exempts all the white kids coming from the suburbs for Lollapalooza. Just wanted to point that out. But the thing is, um, when I wrote this editorial, I, I did look at other studies that were done. This wasn't something that I just wrote without thinking, um, thinking it through. On the face of it, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, Lori Lightfoot does have a tough job. These are very serious issues that are taking place right now. Violent crime isn't something that, you know, any of us should have to tolerate, um, let alone, you know, any other citizen in this in this in this town. Um, so the shooting was obviously a very serious one. And Lori Lightfoot probably felt like she had to act. But I would argue that this is a it's a problem that needs to be tackled by many different avenues. And it's something that, you know, takes a long time. There needs to be like long-term strategic ideas that need to be be put into place. 
saying that there's a curfew might make some people feel better, but what a lot of people have found out, there's a lot of research that shows that curfews don't necessarily work when they're implemented. And when they are implemented, uh, they tend to um, discriminate towards, or they're discriminatory towards um, black and brown kids. It's not like it's the white kids that are getting stopped for staying out late. It's usually the black and brown kids. And I would argue that I'm sure a lot of black kids over anybody else get targeted with these laws. Um, so if I would, you know, my mom was like watching me like a hawk. So I don't think I would be in, at Millennial Park <laughs> if I if there if there was the bean back in the day. Um, I probably would have been home by nine o'clock. <laughs> my mom or somebody would have had somebody pick me up. I wouldn't be there at like one a.m. But you know, these shootings are happening like at seven o'clock. You know, some of these shootings are happening. They happening in daylight, but. I don't think if there was a curfew, I don't think I would be targeted. If they saw me with my braces and braids, I don't think in, you know, this Indian kid walking around, um, like I said, I would have been scooped up by my mom a long time ago. But, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is that for a lot of black and brown kids, they live in neighborhoods where they don't have that many facilities or any outlets to have fun. So, you know, going downtown is something that is something that a lot of kids from black and brown communities do to have fun. So in a way, this curfew is punishing these kids who live in these communities that are disadvantaged and don't have, you know, don't have the facilities for them to enjoy themselves. Mary, Lori, the mayor said that she's going to be putting out signs. And I think that started yesterday where they talk about the curfew. And then they're all, she's also saying that she's going to be an outreach campaign, telling kids where they can go to have fun or other alternatives. I still think, you know, based on the studies, and there's many studies, this isn't just one study that I saw. This is like many studies. These are studies that are done overseas. There's are studies that are done in the United States. They said, number one, curfews don't work and they're discriminatory. And then there was also one study um, that was done a couple of years ago in Washington, D.C., when they pushed the curfew back like they did in Chicago. And they said it actually made shootings worse. And I know I didn't point out in the editorial that I wrote, but they, but one of the reasons they say this could, you know, happen is because there's, you know, when there's a curfew and there it's, it's enacted an hour earlier, there's fewer people in the streets to be witnesses. So that can cause, you know, the shootings. And that doesn't mean that these are juveniles doing the shootings. It could be anybody. And one of the things that we, you mentioned at the top of the hour, which I mentioned in the, um, in the editorial I wrote, like, what is a responsible adult? Um, there are people who are 22, 23, 24, even in their 30s and 40s who aren't responsible adults. There are kids who are 17 and who are more responsible than a lot of adults. So who is there to gauge whether it, there's an irresponsible adult or not? Um, I, I, you know, we've, we've seen so many instances where there's young men there are, you know, who are underage, who are caught in bad situations because they're with adults who are shooting guns too. So who's an irresponsible adult and who, who's going to sit there and determine, you know, do police officers really have the time to determine who is a minor and who isn't? Um, one of the um, incidents I mentioned in my column was the kid cop who a few years ago at 14 fooled Chicago police officers into thinking that he was a cop. Um, he put on a uniform and was able to be a police officer for a long time. This is a 14-year-old kid who looks like an adult. So there's kids who look younger. There's uh, um, adults who look, you know, I mean, there's kids who look younger. There's kids who look older or adults who look younger. So it's just like a very 
I don't know how this is going to be enforced. Of course, yesterday was the first day that this um, the Millennium Park ban took effect. So you saw that there were metal detectors outside. I don't know if you saw the pictures. There's metal detectors outside. There's signage all over the place. I just don't know how long this is going to, you know, and you know, go on for. I don't know if I don't know. I hope the shootings stop. I mean, I don't want the shootings to continue. But I, I don't know if this is an answer. To me, it just the curfews just seem like a Band-Aid and a knee-jerk reaction to a bigger problem that we have. And I talked to one of um, the young man's mentor, the young man who died. I talked to his mentor. He was out there with Lori Lightfoot when she announced the um, the curfew. And even he agreed, you know, he obviously agrees that this isn't just about curfews. He wouldn't say, you know, and I understand he stood with the mayor when this was announcement, whether this curfew will work or not. But he's saying this is the you need to take a wholesale approach. All these leaders need to get together. All these stakeholders when it comes to criminal justice have to come together and discuss different approaches that need to be taken. And this includes law enforcement officials as well about what needs to be done to stop the crime, because I don't think a curfew is just going to stop this. I mean, a day. We've heard more shootings this happened this week after the curfew. I mean, they continue. They've always continued. But, you know, there just seems to be this rash of shootings that we're noticing, or at least people are noticing in the city, partly because a lot of them are taking place downtown and everybody's kind of looking up and noticing. And and trust me, like you and I both probably feel like something needs to be done, but we both believe that curfews aren't the answer. Yeah, uh, that was... Uh... I was taking notes on what you said, a lot to respond to. Uh, number one, uh, perhaps the most frivolous part of uh, what Romana said. Of course, I'll start there. Uh, and that has to do with young Romana and young Benny. And we did a con- we had a conversation, uh, Romana. I don't know if I ever told you this. It's, uh, if people want to go back and hear it, it's called Mama's Boy. And uh, it's... <laughs> we were both talking about how our mother's... Uh, in particular, were very, what's the right word? I mean, what's the really uh, most generous word? Concern? You know, controlling sounds like a little tough, but they, they tight rain, ladies strict. and gentlemen. Strict. Uh, strict, yeah. Old <laughs> school. Strict, yeah, and, old uh, school, yeah. Uh, I, man, you forget what the curfew was that the Mayor Lori Lightfoot came on uh, in the Jarofsky household. My curfew was. <laughs> Like two hours before, yeah. my mother didn't play around. She was old school, and uh, you can watch TV, Benny. You know, you don't gotta go anywhere. So, uh, yeah, it's wow. Anyway, um, the thing that strikes me when, I, uh, by the way, just uh, I just should update everything today, Friday, as we're having this conversation. A uh, council, city council committee, passed. Uh, uh, approved, I should say, uh, the curfew. And so this is another classic. This is so classic Lori Lightfoot. Uh, she just impulsively uh, delivers this edict of a curfew, and then the ACLU doing a deep dive, literally reading the municipal law, discovers she doesn't have the authority to do that without uh, the city council. So then she turns around, she goes, well, I always knew that. <laughs> I always knew that. This is just the first step. So we're getting the approval, and there was a, a stormy debate. Uh, I read just a little bit about it, Romana, and, and the council approved it overwhelmingly. And it's pretty obvious to me that absolutely everybody agrees with the essential point you made, which is that 
Something needs to be done now. Now, there's two issues, long-term, short-term. And uh, so the problem with the city of Chicago is that all the long-term stuff, which means investing in uh, programs for youth, uh, which means uh, like establishing going after-school programs, preschool programs, job programs, nobody wants to spend any money on that stuff. So that always gets pushed aside. Then short-term, nobody really knows what to do. You know, it's like you were so logical in the way you pulled apart the curfew thing. It was said it's probably going to cause more problems than it creates. And that's pretty obvious. But no city council, no alderman wants to vote against doing something. Then they'll, his opponent will go, he's weak on crime. And, you know, and it's like, okay, there we go. Yeah. And just think about it, uh, Ramana. All of a sudden now a cop's got to worry about curfews and checking. IDs, like if you're with the responsible adults, you know, I just, it's so clearly not thought out, but you got to do something, Ben. That's what people say to me all the time. You know what I'm saying? You got to do something. And then the other thing is guns. You, that, I mean, we're just. We need more gun restrictions. That's the thing. It's like, I was thinking to myself, okay, if you put the curfew, let's say the curfew, you know, People are like, okay, no, no teenagers walking around Millennium Park. So you mean to tell me somebody could be driving in a car and they could be 15 years old and they could drive by Millennium Park and shoot an adult? You know, that can that can still happen. Like, what is the curfew, Millennium Park curfew? Like nobody coming at six o'clock. There could be somebody driving by at seven o'clock and shooting out a window, you know. So it, it, there's more there's more to it than that. And like you said, mental health. Uh, counseling. These are these are what costs money, but these aren't these aren't quick fixes. These are long term programs. They take you know money, and they, they you know they take you know the studies all say that you know intervention and you know stopping high risk kids or kids who are at risk is what helps or what is more effective. And yes, gun restrictions do help. I mean, let's let's face it. If there are no guns, nobody all these this kid wouldn't have been shot. I mean. I know there's going to be guns all the time, but I just think there needs to be tougher laws. As, as And as we know, there's been too many mass shootings within the last few days in Chicago. In At the Sun-Times now, if there's four or more victims, I think if it's four or more victims, we call it a mass shooting. And as we know, heard through the weekend, there was a couple mass shootings or, you know, one at a church, one at this, uh, you know, store in Buffalo. And I think there was a, a spate of shootings in a town in North Carolina that they were all sort of connected. So, you know, we do need more gun restrictions. Um, one of the things that I always laugh about is post 9-11, um, there was this kind of like insane Muslim man who was trying to light his shoe on fire and a fa- you know, shoe bomb, a failed attempt to light his shoe um, on fire and set off a bomb. And ever since then, we've been taking off our shoes at the airport, at least at O'Hare. And we've just been doing this for near for over 20 years now because of this one guy. Meanwhile, there's people shooting up, you know, schools, uh, movie theaters, you know, churches, uh, you know, grocery stores that we've seen in the past. And nothing's changed. Nothing's changed at all. And. And and it's it's like, okay, so we can't wear we have to take off our shoes at airplanes and we haven't had another shoe bombing incident or attempted shoe bombing incident since then, you know, but to this day, we have to take off our shoes. And, you know, there's no there's no there's no will from our politicians in this country 
to impose gun restrictions, I think. I think there needs to be, there is definitely from some, but overall, there really isn't a push because, you know, people are always talking about their right to bear arms and, you know, we need guns. And it's, it's, it's just sucks. We keep going in this circle all the time. No, there's a reverence uh, in this country, particularly on the right. Uh, I'll, I'll join the two issues that we've talked about so far. One, for the rights of people uh, to uh, be armed, to have guns, so they worship guns. Uh, And then, of course, the reverence uh, for the fertilized egg, which uh, leads to very restrictive controls over abortion. And you can't you can't move any kind of meaningful gun legislation these days because of the reverence for the guns. Uh, And uh, throughout the country, we're going to see very restrictive abortion laws. And they're very bizarre because they sort of cancel each other out. The reverence for the guns leads to life being obliterated, which is, I thought, was the whole purpose of outlawing abortion, your love for life. But apparently... Folks don't see it the way I do, to put it mildly. Uh, you, you alluded to what happened in Buffalo, and uh, let's just stay on this topic uh, as, as upsetting as it is. Uh, that was last weekend. Uh, a uh, white supremacist, 18-year-old, uh, armed with a rifle, walked into a uh, grocery store uh, in a black area of Buffalo. He had scoped it out. Uh, he had already like reviewed it. Uh, he went there for the obvious apparent it's pretty clear, based on the manifesto he left behind, uh, intent of killing black people. And it was uh, just one of the most troubling moments. I mean, I guess there's so many in this country, but I had a hard time getting through that because part of his manifesto um, talks about the need uh, to stop white replacement theory. So there's like an ideology backing up the slaughter and this fear, which we've talked about this a lot on the show, Ramana, you and I, uh, that uh, white people will be uh, outnumbered by black people and brown people. And so the real wackos uh, blame it on the Jews, in quotes, and uh, so there was the shooting in Pittsburgh where 11 uh, congregants at a synagogue were shot by uh, someone who is espousing white replacement theory. Uh, this all goes back to shootings in New Zealand and mosques where I think 50 uh, people were killed, congregants, presuming most of them were Muslim. Uh, and then at Walmart in El Paso. And it's like, wow, blacks, Latinos, Muslims, Jews. It's utter madness, and then you t- you can't get MAGA to even address the serious consequences of their own rhetoric. So how can you possibly have any kind of meaningful debate or discussion about it? 50% of the Republican Party believes in white replacement theory. I, the reason why I had a hard time just joking about it or absorbing it the way I usually do, Romana, with humor and my attempted humor is because it's just so um, hopeless. You know, the, the, this major part political party has been consumed by hate. And frankly, I don't know what to do with, uh, about that other than hope and pray that a majority of the people in this country uh, 
will essentially uh, vote Democrat just because they don't want to encourage uh, that kind of ideology and that kind of hatred. But it's very upsetting. I find it very upsetting. Your thoughts? No, it is. It is very upsetting. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, we have the right. Um, if there's a perpetrator who has like Arabic sounding name or is brown or is seen as foreign, it's like everybody's up in arms screaming, you know, we ban a group of people because they look like the shooter. And, you know, we have new policies put into place. We take away, we're okay with taking away people's civil liberties because we got to protect ourselves. But we've seen a spate of shootings that are done by white men, many of whom are Trump supporters, believe in this white replacement theory. When this happens, it's like you could hear nobody's saying anything. You could hear a pin drop from the right. It's like just quiet. And it's just, it's insane. It's like, what do you want? You want more, you know, you, when it's somebody that doesn't look like you or somebody that you think is the other, it's like, everybody's all up in arms. You're, you're screaming, you know, like, let's go kill this person. Let's, you know, send them to prison. But when it's one of your guys, it's, it's just silence and the silence is deafening. And we're, you know, we're hearing about these mass shootings all the time. And, you know, I'm not saying that, oh, it's only these crazy white guys. I mean, the sad thing is that guns are available. And, you know, this church shooting that happened in California over the weekend, this was an elderly Asian man. He was like in his 60s and all his victims were older than he was. And so anybody can, you know, a gun is something that's so easily accessible. And then you just pull the trigger, you can cause a death. So anybody can do this. But it's just the the lack of wanting to change things when the shooting is done by someone who's seen as a good old American boy is just, it's just astounding to me. It's like nobody, nobody wants, nobody wants to do anything. And, and let's face it, if this, I, I still feel like, you know, there's definitely a lot of news coverage about this, but these mass shootings have become so commonplace where it's like, it's like, okay, you know, unless it's like 50 people who are killed, the next day we talk about it for about two or three days and then we forget about it and we go on because there's another mass shooting that's happening either in our city or across the country. It's like we had a weekend and we heard about a spate of shootings, not only in our city, but in the country. And it's like, you know, people probably do get overwhelmed and they're just like, oh, I'm just so tired. But it's like we can't become numb to this. And I'm included in this public. I mean, we're just like we hear one after another and you're like, oh, my God, how can how much more can you take? But we just have to kind of work together as a country. And I feel like we aren't we don't address the situation unless it's done by someone who looks foreign or someone that people like to think of as foreign as, as if they want. They want to think crimes that are committed in this country or like, quote unquote, terrorism is just something that is done by someone who's not one of us. And it's a lot more, it's, it's a lot, it, it, people, they want to simplify it where bad guy looks like this. Good guys looks like us. And when there's a good guy doing this, it's just the silence. There's, I just feel like there's a silence. Oh no. When, when, uh, to your point, uh, when, uh, a Muslim commits a crime, there's like a demand that all Muslims everywhere be, accountable and 
almost apologize for it. So we had this white replacement uh, lunatic go into the grocery store in Buffalo uh, and um, and kill 10 people. And Tucker Carlson, who is a big advocate of white replacement theory, is one of the most powerful people in the media today, uh, is worshipped and adored by millions and millions of Fox TV watchers, uh, goes on, TV is defiant. You can't blame me for what one mentally unstable uh, human being does. Like, he's already mentally unstable. That's the other thing. They're always mentally unstable. You'll never see a Tucker Carlson or any Republican uh, advocate for any kind of mental health program. But, oh, my God, it's mentally health. You know, with they'll cite mental health problems when someone uh, does a, a mass murder like this. So, yeah, you, you're right. The double standard is... Is, is so obvious. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that meme or it has, there's a picture, I think as a family guy who's holding up like this color board and it's like white and the skin gets darker and darker. But if it's white, they said it's like a mass shooter's white and then it says mental health issues. And then like, you know, the darker it gets, like, you know, the words are like more, you know, loaded, like terrorist and, and stuff like that. So that's, it's a very common thing you see whenever um, someone is accused of a crime. So yeah, it's it's very disturbing. I mean, uh, just the shootings in the last few days in the city, and and I'm not saying that we've never had a problem before because, you know, there's definitely some neighborhoods that have been struggling in the last couple of years, and we don't pay attention too much until it happens downtown. And so this is something, you know, for someone like me who's covered crime, I know this is a problem that's been persistent for the last few years. Um, but yeah, when, when it's downtown, we all do sit up and pay attention, but this is something that we have to kind of pay attention all the time. Yeah. It's something that's a local problem and it's something that's a national problem as well. And, you know, there used to be a time where people felt like they were safe in certain areas. I don't think there's any place where you're safe anymore. I mean, we always tell kids to stay in school. I mean, how, you know, and that's a good thing, but you know, they're not even safe in school. No, it's, uh, just, and that's the other thing, the grocery store that just the, the normality of being in a grocery store you know it's just it was very frightening uh and i'll i'll move on to another topic that uh is perhaps less depressing even though in its own right it's kind of depressing but just saying we will be very closely following the elections uh all cycle and urging and i i i'm speaking for myself i'm not speaking for mana urging people to think about the consequences of MAGA, the MAGA movement in this country and what it's doing to our country. Uh, and um, just with something like white replacement theory, the notion that there's a, some Americans who are better than other Americans and more American, which is so bizarre when you think like black people, they're, they've been here since the 17th century. <laughs> Trump people didn't get to this country until like the 1900s. It's so weird. But he gets to be the real American. I know. What about Native Americans? Oh, it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't mean this is the next topic to be a joke topic because it's in many ways it's a serious topic, but it gets into one of our favorite themes, uh, and that is celebrity. Uh, Ramana and I love talking celebrities uh, and celebrity culture and obsession that we have. And I think. I'm speaking for myself, not Romana, but I think Romana's kind of in the same boat. We also, we're both a little obsessed with celebrities ourselves. 
Uh, and don't act like you're not, listeners, because the number one popular show we did was on Jesse Smollett. Just saying, okay? Don't act like you're not into it. All right, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, we've not talked about this. Uh, this really weird, and I just like total misuse of the courts by Johnny Depp. Uh, and this is me speaking. You, you give your thoughts where he is suing uh, his former wife, Amber Heard, claiming she uh, slandered him with an op-ed piece she wrote in the Washington Post, which claimed she was the victim of uh, getting beat up, abuse. And she didn't even name that it was the person who allegedly abused her was Johnny Depp. It's the second, ladies and gentlemen, second uh, slander case that Johnny Depp has filed against uh, Amber Heard. Uh, well, the first one was against actually a newspaper in England. He lost there. He's now trying again. What a freaking waste of our court system. Johnny Depp, man, come on. You're not, you're a multimillionaire. You could go, go make some dumb movies about pirates for the rest of your life. Nobody cares about your reputation. And yet, like, judges and court personnel and it's such a waste uh anyway that's just like most general take on this ongoing i think it's, i think this thing's been going on for about a month now this yeah. court case yeah i uh, mean we did Go we ahead. actually did talk about this last time i was on the show i have to tell you remember i was oh, telling you i forgot we did we did talk about we did touch upon it um the thing is um I think this is a very nuanced situation. Um, I think both Amber Heard and Johnny Depp have serious uh, issues and serious maybe substance abuse issues. And I, I and from what I read, there seems to be physical abuse on on both parties have inflicted physical abuse on both people, according to the evidence. Um, so I don't know if you followed this case when it first happened, when Amber Heard first Wrote, um, talked about the allegations of jo about Johnny Depp. Everybody was on Team Amber. Um, then, you know, it turns out that she was also abusive to Johnny Depp. Now there's a lot of people who are like Team Johnny. And I just think it's it's just a more, it's, it's, a, it's a sad case, actually, that shows you that celebrities don't really have it all. You know, you think celebrities and all this glamour, makes makes everyone happy but it doesn't i mean you hear about the relationship and the, the just the allegations involved just sound very very disturbing and a lot of people are making jokes about it and there's a lot of people who um are you know represent d domestic violence victims and they're saying that this isn't a laughing matter it's a very serious issue so it's something that i'm i have been watching from the corner of my eye and every once in a while when there's a little tidbit about what happened in court um, I, I do pay attention to it. Um, there was this one makeup company, I think it's called Milani and Amber Heard said that she used, um, one of their uh, makeup products to cover up her bruises that she got from the abuse that Johnny Depp inflicted on her. And then this makeup company got it, you know, involved and said, Hey, actually we never produced that product uh, product when you say the allegations occurred. So it's like everybody and their mother has something to say about it. I'm, I'm kind of watching. I'm curious as to see, Curious to see what exactly the outcome will be because very few people win libel cases and um, it just will be interesting to see. And I have been watching and now, like I said, the tables, um, you know, unfortunately, or some people will say fortunately have turned on Amber Heard and people are acting like she's the bad guy. 
But I think there's, like I said, from my perspective, I think both of these actors have a lot of issues to sort through and both probably inflicted domestic abuse. I have to say I was a huge Donnie Depp fan as a teenager and into well into my 20s. I told you I started following him when I watched 21 Jump Street as a teen where he played an undercover cop. And he's definitely a gifted actor. Amber Heard is, is also, um, she's involved in a lot of charities. You know, actually the money that she, I don't know if she, she said that she was going to give all the money that um, she got one in the divorce settlement to domestic violence, uh, to a domestic violence group. Yeah. So I don't, I, 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 I can't say that she did for sure, but she might've, but I don't know. I was reading something recently that said that all the money that some money that she said that she was going to donate to certain places didn't necessarily go, but I don't know if that was from the divorce settlement, but she's been involved in a lot of activist, um, you know, activist um, activities as well. So I don't know. I'm kind of following it. I don't know if I'm following it as closely as you are, but I definitely have my eye on it. And it's just a sad situation. Just hearing about it, it's a sad situation. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, struck by like the intensity of support uh, for Johnny Depp, which I, I'm really have, struggling with that one. And I just think that's uh, misogyny. Uh, it, 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 it kind of from, remember when, um, uh, Ghostbusters came out, the second Ghostbusters, when it was all women and, um, and there was this big backlash, uh, and an attempt by anti women Ghostbuster people to lower the, uh, the reviews that they got, that movie got and just denigrate the movie. It was like these guys, I'm like, what that you guys kind of twist i know i love the bulls okay you know and I, I get heat i watch a lot of basketball but i never take it that far you know what i'm saying it's like you guys are really there's a lot of insanity in our country today uh ramada so when i rank it you know this is far less dangerous than say uh white replacement theory and the shooters in the buffalo grocery store that that insanity but this is pretty crazy. No, no, no. It is. I mean, racism affects all aspects of our lives. I mean, you're talking about the Ghostbusters. That definitely, there was the, the misogyny there. But there was also racism kind of laced in with that misogyny. Leslie Jones, who was one of the Ghostbusters in the second one, she had to get off Twitter, I believe, or uh, take a break from Twitter because there was a lot of racist comments about her and her looks after she appeared in that movie, um, you know, we talk about Star Wars. That's something that everybody was is like, especially from my generation. A lot of nerds are really into it. But um, when Star the one of the prequels came out, and um, there was a black actor who was portraying a stormtrooper, there was a lot of people speaking out about that. They were, you know, they're like, oh, a black stormtrooper. So it's like every part of our society and. Is, is just colored with racism, I think. And I think people need to, you know, people don't realize it, but, you know, America is kind of, is, is racist. A lot of people don't like to admit it. We, we try to strive that, you know, we strive that everyone's equal, but there's just a lot of racism still. And that does color a lot of our aspects of our life. And that has, you know, pop culture, politics, everything is colored with racism, I think. All right, let's uh, switch to pop culture. Uh, and part of the show is Romano's recommendations. Uh, and 
So I said, we're going to do the Romana book club. Uh, I'm an, an obsessive reader. It's how I deal with my inability to go to sleep. Not that I want to share all my personal details with the, the listeners, but it's a reality. I was like this morning, for instance, uh, I was up uh, reading uh, Don Winslow novel. I love Don Winslow. Anyway, uh, but uh, Romana gave a recommendation to me on the phone. I wrote it down. And tomorrow, Romana, I'm going to the library. And there's a book on hold for me at the library when I get there. Uh, I am going to order uh, Min Jin Lee's uh, novel, Pachinko, uh, which I probably should have read years ago. It came out in 2017. Maybe I don't even have to order it. Maybe it's just on the shelf. Uh, we shall see. You know, uh, there's an Apple TV show. So, uh, But you're, what got me going on this is that uh, you're reading the book right now. So that's uh, your recommendation. And so far, how's it going? Yeah, so far it's great. I, I it's really funny because I actually um, I put it on. I asked, I requested it, an electronic version of it on a couple months ago, and there was like a hundred zillion copies already being used. So I was put on hold, and then Mick ended up Mick, my husband, ended up getting it for my birthday because he heard me talking about it, and. He's very, he's like you. He reads books a lot. He reads a lot of books. I probably watch more TV. I love books, but sometimes to, you know, decompress, I watch things on Netflix and shows. And you know how we do. We binge, I binge a lot on shows. I do read, but Mick uses books to go to sleep too sometimes. Like sometimes I'm, I, I'm a better sleeper than he is. And sometimes when I get up to go to the bathroom, I see him sitting there with the phone on and reading his book. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I, 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 so you guys have like similar patterns. And so he's, he's very, I have to tell you, Mick really wants me to read more books and I do read. It's not like I'm somebody, but he was like, he got me the book. He's like, you've been talking about it. I think you should, we should read it before we watch the movie. So, so far it's great. I mean, I think it's, it's wonderful. I'm learning a lot about um, Korea and, you know, it's relations with Japan and just you know, the, um, you know, the, the war that we had with the Korean war we had. And so um, I, I feel like I'm learning a lot and it's really well written. And so, so far I'm enjoying it. I do. Uh, the show that I do want to watch is under the banner of heaven, which I think is on Hulu right now. It's about this um, Mormon. It's a Mormon murder mystery. So I definitely want to watch that, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to watch that by myself or with Mick. It all depends on whether he's interested or not. So yeah, if you want to join my book club, that would be great if you can get a copy. That would be great. And I actually got an alert this week saying that, hey, this book's available. And I had to say, no, I already got the book. So I had to look at it. So we tell me get it from the Chicago Public Library. You got I, the alert. I, I, it was an electronic version. And so yeah. a lot of them were um, being used because, you know, the show. I mean, I think it was it, it's an extremely popular book when it came out. It was a New York Times bestseller. bestseller. But when the sh Apple TV put out the show a couple of weeks ago, I think a lot of people started wanting to read it again, or at least read it if they, before they watched it. So, all the all the electronic copies were um, you being used, and so I had access to it this week, and I didn't need it because I'm actually reading the book. So, I think I'll be done. I'll be done. I think next time I talk to you, it's about 500 pages. And yeah, um, no, it's a long one, 490 pages, and uh, uh, I uh, have really stopped, to mostly stopped buying new books because my house is just flooded with books and i just said you know what i think i'm just gonna hold back a little bit so what i do is i just go to the library get the books and more often than not i i could do a whole dissertation romana on the uh, 
book borrowing habits of Chicagoans because uh, I know it so well. So you're absolutely correct. This book would have been freely available on any shelf uh, in any library that had it about a year ago. But the Apple version comes out, boom, and now the, there's a long line, uh, which is just, you know, that's, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just pointing out that observation. Uh, so I'll put, I'll get my name on it and I'll get it. And I, I, I've urged just, uh, I talk about this book that I'm going to recommend. It's the Romana book club, but, uh, I'll make a rec recommendation and I can't, uh, extol its virtues enough. It's such a fine novel. Uh, Jennifer Hayes, Mercy Street. It's, uh, I told you about this, um, about, uh, life in a, uh, a woman's health clinic, uh, in Boston, in, in current times and um, gets really takes a deep dive into the abortion issue and the motives of the various women who come to the clinic uh, and then goes into the minds of the anti-abortion activists who are clamoring outside the clinic. That's what's so weird, Romana. You know, like the right is always trying to make itself out to be a victim. And so with people protesting outside of the homes, the Supreme Court justices, you hear, I, I hear it all the time because I, I get their emails about how the left is intolerant, the left is rude, the left is disrespectful. And for the last 20 years, like hordes of protesters gathering outside of uh, women's clinics to heckle women going through it, I guess, you know, one more inconsistency to add to the list. Uh, but anyway, in this book, Mercy Street, they get into the minds of the protesters. Uh, and uh, so very uh, compassionate book. I urge it. Uh, so maybe we'll have uh, that, a, a Romana Hussein. Maybe I can, if I can convince you to get that book, uh, that'll join the Romana Hussein uh, book club. All right, let's uh, close it down by promoting uh, your column. Brilliant uh, and outstanding column that you wrote. And if folks missed it, uh, they can, you know, get it uh, obviously online so i'll talk a little bit about that before we close it sure out. sure um last week god was it last week yeah um a respected a well-respected al jazeera correspondent shirin um abu akle was killed while she was covering a raid in an occupied territory um in the middle east and uh her her colleagues said that she was killed by Israeli forces. Of course, we don't know for sure right now, but that's what her colleagues were saying and witnesses were saying. And as soon as that came out, um, the way the media spinned it here in the United States, the New York Times was the worst. They just said that, you know, they said Shirin Abu Akhle dies at 51. Like, <laughs> you know, they totally glossed over the fact that she was shot um, we know that for sure that she was shot. Um, she was wearing a bulletproof vest and a helmet. And so the media started spinning, as did the Israeli government. The Israeli government put out video, the Israeli army put out video showing um, Palestinian gunmen, you know, shooting. But then this is really this Israeli um, humanitarian group put out um, a map saying that, you know, this reporter was nowhere near where these men were shooting. And then that happened like hours ago. So, you know, the Israeli government said that they're going to go do an investigation. They want the bullet. The Palestinian officials will not give them the bullet. Then you saw, I don't know if you saw, but a lot of viewers were shocked by the images that were seen from this journalist's uh, funeral 
where the Israeli um, forces were or Israeli police officers were hitting pallbearers. They actually hit them so hard that they dropped the casket at one point. So my, my column basically kind of focuses on how local news media and the national news media kind of dropped the ball on this journalist who, by the way, was an American. She was a dual citizen of the United States and Palestine. And this is an American journalist. And this should have been a bigger news story, I think, in my opinion, in local newspapers. Um, and it wasn't in the local media. And it wasn't. So my column is just kind of focusing on the media coverage and the Israeli officials response to the shooting. And I, I do hope that we get some answers. Um, there's a lot of reporters who have been killed covering Israel. And a lot of journalist groups are say that there's no one that is, you know, account, there, no one has been held accountable for a lot of these um, deaths. And a lot of them were caused by shooting deaths. Um, and they think, it, you know, these journalist organizations say that, you know, nobody has been held accountable. There's no investigation and um, the latest I saw, I don't know if you saw, but Variety had a story about how all these Hollywood actors have signed a petition saying that, you know, there should be an investigation and they want to know somebody should be held accountable for this journalist's death. So we'll see what happens. I just want to know. I'm just wondering if there's going to be more of people kind of raising their voices. And, you know, not everybody's been paying attention, but it was something that really caused me to, you know, it, it made me kind of angry. And it was something that I felt I needed to write about. I was going to write about something more lighthearted, but this happened on Wednesday last week. And, and I started writing the column on Thursday. So, you know, welcome to the world of column writing. And, uh, it, I, I <laughs> yeah, it just, it's going to happen Romana so often you know, like for instance, you want to write something lighthearted, or and then uh, a tragedy happens, uh, and tragedies happen. I mean, this is weird. Right? Tragedies happen every freaking minute of the day, uh, and if you just were to write about tragedies, you would never write anything lighthearted. You would just always be depressed, and so you have to learn to like block it out. This is me speaking for myself, but sometimes you can't do it, and so you. Like, so for instance, for myself, just speaking, when I, when I was just absorbing Buffalo, I, I had to write about it. I just didn't know how I could write about anything else. And so I, you, it sounds like it was very similar with you. You just felt compelled to write about it. Just, you know, there's something very futile about writing a column. I'm just going to make this confession um, because the world doesn't change when you write yeah. a column. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you, like, do you keep a list of like evergreen topics to talk about, like as for column ideas? Because I'm like, I was like, I always tell myself, I'm like, I need to start like this file where I can talk about different things. And then something happens. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm writing about that. So that's that's what happened to me uh, last week. Yeah, I um, obsessively, oh my God, I'm going into my psyche here. Uh, write down topics. I write down transition sentences. I've got I'll show you this notebook here. Um, nobody else can see it, but Romana can see it. It's filled. It's 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 an old fashioned. What they used to call. Well, I used to call it a diary. Uh, kids, they call it journals. So I have a big diary writer. So constantly writing ideas down, constantly writing transitions down. Uh, and for every ten that I write down, 
maybe one gets turned into a column. Uh, that's just the way it goes. But they're always there if I ever want to go back to them. So sometimes I'll write about something. I'll just jot it down. I'll get a trade. And the moment passes and I don't do it. But the issue rises again. And so I could go back to it. So that's how I do I always put them down and print it just with the pen on paper. So it's always there. Uh, and uh, I think writing a column is a form of madness. <laughs> yeah, and, It's definitely uh, an art form. Yeah, but you just kind of like, I've talked about this the, uh, so much. Like when I'm right, I talk to myself. You know, when I go for walks, I talk out the guy. If you saw me, like one of the guys at the bowling alley last week, he saw me. He goes, Betty, I, I see you walking down the street. You're like talking to yourself. I say, I'm a lunatic, man. I'm, it's just a column I'm writing, you know. No, so I, I don't, I, I don't talk to myself. I don't talk to myself. That's one thing don't. I don't do. But she's drawing the line. But I was going to say, um, who did you have been? But but I, I I think my husband does. So in addition to you guys both using books to fall asleep, <laughs> I think you guys talk to yourself too. Um, oh my god! And and the, you know what? The funny thing is, the similar thing happened today. I was up uh, from four to seven reading. Oh god! And uh, I know three up four. And uh, my wife came through and she goes, what are you reading? <laughs> she saw me. <laughs> that is so, that is <laughs> so she's funny. she's so used to it now. Yeah. You know, another little funny thing. Uh, it, it's uh, a guy on my bowling team, uh, Tony with a T, shout out, uh, is a, has a newborn. Shout out to Stevie. That's his daughter. Uh, my daughter has a newborn. And so I'm talking to these people who are not sleeping at all because the babies are waking them up. Yeah. I'm like, Feel free to call me <laughs> four in the morning. Maybe, maybe I'm reading Don Winslow. Maybe I should maybe I should tell Mick to call you. You guys can talk because <laughs> he's 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 definitely not the best sleeper at night. And I'm, I'm yeah, a, but I'm then good... does he see the difference? One of the many differences between me and Mick is that he gets up early. So like I, I'm not getting up early if I'm I go back to bed at seven, ladies. I just want to let you know I'm going to get my beauty sleep, and then I sleep till ten. I'm, Life is good. I'm you like know? you. I'm like you. I'm a to I totally sleep in. Sleeping in for Mick is like 8 30, 9 o'clock. And that's early for me. Like I'm already dreading, like we're gonna be talking about this, I'm sure, in in, in our next um podcast. But um we're gonna be going back to work starting next month, two days a week. And so I have to get up. I've already complained to my boss because our meetings, our morning meetings are at 9 30, and I'm like, oh, I have to get up at 7 a.m. now. And I mean, I was doing ah, that before. I, I really feel for you. Just thinking wow. about it, I'm I'm a I'm a late sleeper, um, and I'm a night owl, so it, this is not going to be fun. So, time out. You're going to go back to the same office. Uh, yeah. Over there in the West Loop. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's it's so weird because we're about to have another surge. <laughs> yep. Twice a week. Twice a week, I'll be there. But who knows? That's oh, that's what's planned. Okay. That's what's planned starting in June. Stay out of that elevator. Take the stairs. All right. <laughs> take the stairs i hated that elevator anyway when we used to have the studio uh there all right ramana great talking to you uh the ramana book club has been officially christian christened ladies and gentlemen pachinko is the first book in the ramana book club uh we'll see uh who has a greater impact on book sales oprah or ramana i'm putting my money on ramana and uh and then after that maybe i could talk ramana into reading mercy street all right, Ramana, thank you very much for coming on. It's always a blast talking to you. Thank you. All right, that's a great Ramana Sane, editorial writer, columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>